This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Lord, what can we say in response to you? There aren't words to describe the gift that you gave us, that you revealed to us that you gave your son to draw us back to yourself, to help us experience and encounter you in very real and intimate ways. Lord, you have done everything. You gave yourself to us so that we could know you. And so, Lord, as we open up your word this morning, we give back the only thing we can. We give back ourselves and we say, God, would you mold us and form us and make us into the people, the church that you created and designed for us to be. Holy Spirit, would you open our ears, open our eyes, open our hearts to hear your words, to know your truth, and to experience the life that you've called us to. We pray in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. I've told you this before, and I will tell you again. I love Christmas. I I do. I love Christmas. It is my favorite time of the year. And here's why I love Christmas. Because Christmas is the time where Jesus put on flesh to come to this world to show us God, to reveal God to us. We are starting a series for the next few weeks called Encounter because at Christmas the world stops and we recognize the truth that God came so that we could encounter him, experience him, know him, even see him. And so I'm going to share a little bit with you about what that looks like. And then Ron's going to come up. I'm going to basically set him up and he's going to knock him down as he takes us into 2012 and beyond and where we're going as a church. It's going to be an incredible, incredible morning. Inside your programs, you have some teaching notes. You're going to want to go ahead and pull those out because there's a lot there that we're going to be looking at this morning. Notice what Jesus says to his followers in John chapter 14, verse 7. It's right there at the top of your notes. He says, if you really know me, if you really know me, you will know my father as well. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Now, for a Jewish person to hear this would be a complete paradigm shift because they've been taught that you cannot see the face of God. You cannot see God and live. But Jesus says, from now on, you know God, you've actually seen God. And Philip, one of his disciples, one of his followers, asks the question. He says, Lord, show us the Father. Show us God, and that will be enough for us. Jesus responds to him, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Think about that. He says, if you know me, then you will know God. If you see me, then you have seen God already. Jesus came to earth to reveal God to us. He came to draw us back to our creator. And at Christmas, we celebrate that reality in our life that we can encounter God, that we can know love. We can experience forgiveness. We can find truth and purpose and meaning and passion in our lives. I want to 
test us on a little pop culture, because I always say that we have a very culturally relevant church, so let's see how we do here. I want you to finish the following phrases for me. Give me a break, give me a break, break me off a piece of that. Kit Kat bar, fantastic, fantastic. Uh, How about this one? I pity the... Oh, we got some Mr. T fans, absolutely. I saw you guys walk in with your gold chains, that's fantastic, that's great, yeah. Guys, you'll score some points with your wives or your girlfriends if you know this one. You had me at Hello, yeah, from Jerry Maguire. Maybe, guys, you've heard this one a little more from Jerry Maguire. Show me the... Yeah, maybe your wives, maybe they tell you that one a little more. I don't know. I don't know. But it seems like you memorized that. Hey, here's one that Jesus says in John chapter 8, and finish this one for me if you can. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I want to ask, is that true? Oh yeah, Jesus said it and we're in church. So yeah, that's the right answer. That's good. But I would say that there are a lot of people who know the truth, who have heard the truth and seen the truth, and yet they are not free. They're stuck in bondage, in slavery to sin or, or to brokenness, broken relationships, unhealthy lifestyles, debt. The list could go on and on. They know the truth, but they aren't free. But Jesus says, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. So how can it be true? You were right. Those of you who answered, yes, that's true. How can it be true? Well, I want to tell you that it's only true in the context of what Jesus says in the verse right before that. Notice what he says in John chapter, 30, chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. Jesus says, to the Jews who believed in him. So these are the people who have said, yes, we believe in you. We believe you are the Son of God. To the Jews who said they believed in him, who claimed to believe in him. He said, if, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. And the idea of hold to, when Jesus says, if you hold to my teachings, it's the idea of doing them completely, of of wrapping yourself in the teachings of Jesus, of, of having them be the dominant markers that guide our decisions, guide our choices, guide our actions. He says, for those of you who claim to believe in me, if you do everything that I teach you, then you are really my disciples. And then we get verse 32. Here's the promise. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You see, I would propose that there are a lot of people who claim to be Christians, who say they believe in God or believe in Jesus, but they have no desire to be followers of Jesus. They have no desire to do the things that Jesus says to do. And because of that, They know the truth, but the truth has not set them free. They are still in slavery. And I want to tell you, uh, one of the things that breaks my heart as a pastor, more than anything else, is not when people leave our church. You know, we're a certain flavor. We're not the flavor for everybody. If someone just leaves the church because they would appreciate a different place, that's fine. Uh, They'll find a different place to worship. But one of the things that breaks my heart as a pastor, is when someone comes to the church for five weeks or five months or five years, they sit in the chair, they hear the sermons, they sing the songs, they may even join a life group, but they never give themselves completely to God. They never do what Jesus says here and hold to his teachings, do the things that he says, 
And then after five months or five years, when something happens, something hard in their life, they say, you know what? God has failed me. The church has failed me. God must not be here or be real. And that breaks my heart because the truth is they never gave themselves to him to experience the freedom that he promised. Jesus says, if you hold to my teachings, then you're my disciples and you will know the truth and then the truth will set you free if you do the things I call you to do. I love Christmas because Christmas reminds us that God came to earth to forgive us of our sins, to save us from our sins, to draw us back to God. But it's interesting that in the Bible, just believing that there is a God or, or even just saying, you know what, I think that, that Jesus was God, just lip service to that, does not guarantee us salvation. The Bible doesn't say, if you would just say on some day, yeah, I believe that Jesus is God, that you're saved. In fact, the Bible even says in James, like we read just recently in our New Testament challenge, even the demons believe in God and they shudder because they know their eternal destination, because they are not followers of God. They just believe in him and they shudder. You see, we can't expect the freedom that Jesus promises unless we encounter God in a personal, intimate relationship. And that's what he's calling us to this Christmas season. And then we do the things that God commands us to do. And friends, that's why we've been on this New Testament challenge journey for the last three months. And if you're new to the church, we've been going through, as a church, going through the entire New Testament in three months. All of our small groups have done it. Our teachings have been around it. It's been an incredible time. It's been a lot, though. Twelve weeks to read through the entire New Testament is a lot. Here's why we did it, though. We did it so we could get a broad overview of what it means to follow Jesus to be a follower of God, to be a disciple. So that as we head into this new year, we know what it means to follow him and we can follow him. You see, John 8, 32 is only true if we actually follow God's teachings. Then Jesus says we are his disciples, his followers, and that's when we get that incredible promise. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And that word, to know the truth, in the original language, it literally means that you know the truth by experiencing it. It's not a head knowledge. I know some of you guys who go to Sonoma State, you're studying for finals right now. And for you, a lot of this is, is ethereal, the study of whatever you're going through right now. Yeah, I apologize that you're going through finals. We'll pray for you. Um, and I'm just so glad to be out of college. But I'm praying for you, man. Bless you, you know, bless you in that. But for you, it's head knowledge. But what Jesus is saying is you will know the truth. It's not head knowledge. It's experience. You will know by experience. I had what I would say was a defining parenting moment on Monday of this past week. Uh, I missed you last weekend. I was gone in Oregon celebrating my grandfather's 80th birthday. And on Monday, we were, on the, we were in the airplane getting ready to fly home. We were actually taxiing to the runway to take off on our flight. And my mother was sitting next to me with Landon, our nine-month-old, in her hands. My wife was sitting next to me on the other side. And Landon got this funny look on his face, like something was wrong. And so as we taxied to the runway, I grab him and I turn him just about here so his head is right here. And right as I do, he vomits all over me. And it wasn't just spit up. I mean, he let go all over me. He had just eaten. It was incredible. And, and, and I want to say, this is why it's a rite of passage. Until you've been vomited on by your children, okay, you, you've missed out on a very key piece of parenting. Um, here's the best part. My mom reaches, so, so my wife grabs Landon and takes him. My mom grabs some Kleenex and she reaches past me to wipe his face. As 
the, the vomit just soaks into my shirt for our hour and a half flight, followed by a two-hour drive. And I told a friend of mine that, and he does not have kids. And uh, my friend, when I tell him these types of stories, here's what he, he thinks. And sometimes he says to me, why on earth would you ever want to have kids? That sounds horrible. And so I, I, tell him, I tell him how great it is to have a child, this little imprint of you and how much they love you and how, how amazing this relationship is. But, but parents, wouldn't you say that it's true that until you have kids, you don't fully know how great it is to have kids? Why it's worth it to be vomited on or peed on? You know by experience how great it is to have kids. And that's what Jesus is saying here in John chapter 8, verse 32. He says, you will know the truth by experience. You will experience the truth of my word. You will experience the truth that what I say is best for you is best for you. And the truth will set you free. So what he's saying is if you do the things I tell you to do, then in doing them, you will know the truth that they are good and right for you. And that will bring freedom in your life. Or I could say it this way, uh, we won't truly understand or experience God's blessing and God's freedom until we do the things he calls us to do. Then we will experience it. So I could stand up here all day long and I could preach about how good it is to fast, to abstain from food, to depend on God through prayer. But until you actually fast, you won't experience how incredible that can be with God. Or we could talk about prayer up here. You could join a life group about prayer. You could read books about prayer. But until you actually take the time to spend with God in prayer, you will not know how good it is to commune with your creator in prayer. See, you know by experiencing. I could bring people up here to talk about tithing, giving the first 10% of what God's given them back to God's ministry because some of you have just started doing that recently. They could tell you how freeing it is in their finances. But until you do it, You don't know how good it can be. We can talk about forgiveness all day long and say, if you would just forgive someone who has wronged you, it will bring freedom into your life in an incredible way. But until you choose to forgive them on a daily basis, you will not know the freedom that God can offer. And so what we're talking about for the next two years, what we're going to be about as a church for the next two years, is we are going to be a community of people who encounters God in an intimate way, in an incredible way, in a deep way. And then we do the things that God calls us to do so that we can know by experience the truth of what God says. That's where we're going in 2012. That's where we're going in 2013. And I actually am going to have Ron come up, and he's going to share the specifics of how this is going to take shape, how this is going to take form. And I actually don't get to welcome Ron to stage very often, so I've been practicing this. So you get ready, okay? Get ready to welcome Ron on the stage, okay? So I want to welcome your friend and mine, the one, the only, our senior pastor, Ronald James Hunt. Let's welcome Ron to stage. Come on, everybody. Let's welcome Ron. Ah, I don't know what that guy had for breakfast. Well, are you excited? Oh, we're going to have some fun. Let me point you to, we're going to have two theme verses that we're going to refer to over the next two years. And uh, you could take everything that we're going to be doing as a church and you could wrap them up in these theme verses. So let's go to the first one. It's in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. It says this, take hold of the eternal life 
to which you were called. I want you to read that out loud with me. Ready? Let's read it together. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. That's going to be a verse I'm going to encourage you to, to memorize. Think you could do that over two years? How many of you think you can do that? That's pretty easy, right? Take hold. What does that mean? Let me put it in real plain English. Okay? It means don't let life happen to you. But take hold of your life. That's what God's calling us to do as a church. And as Kevin said, the staff and I and uh, the spiritual stewards, we've been praying about this for months now. And that's the message that God keeps giving us. And that is, it's important that we as a church, we individually don't just let life happen to us. Taking the kids to soccer and running to work and, and going to whatever it is we got to go. And by the way, when your kids leave home, our kids have left home a long time ago. I, I found out my schedule didn't change all that much. I don't know how I took care of them when they were growing up. My wife might tell you I didn't. I don't know. Hopefully she wouldn't. But the deal is, it just doesn't change. So... How can we take hold of our lives? Well, let me put it a little different way, okay? And that is this. Don't let what comes naturally to you rob you of what is actually available. Can I tell you that the biggest danger in life isn't that you would go out and do some heinous crime? Because most of you here this morning are probably not going to commit any crime that would ever put you in prison. Most of us are probably not even tempted to do that uh, in our lifetime. But the biggest danger we face is just to go through life and do what comes naturally to us and assume that that's all our life ever could have been. I don't care how great your childhood was. I don't care how functional your family was or how dysfunctional your family was. If you go through life and you do what only comes naturally to you, you will never have lived up to even a small percentage of what God could have done in and through your life. So we're going to figure out how can we take hold of this life. And it means that we're going to have to be willing to do some things that don't come naturally to us, but in the end would be really good for us. So... How are we going to do that? Well, you say, Pastor, I think that's hard. Well, here's the other key verse. Philippians chapter 4 says this, I can do all things through Christ because He gives me strength. I can do all things. Kevin's going to take that verse and break it out for us next week as we get ready to look at this plan. But I want you to know right up front, you can do it through Christ. So here's the plan. It's called the Take Hold Initiative. Would you say that out loud with me? Take Hold Initiative. What is that? It's a two-year spiritual development project. I wish I had time to break out all those things for you. But we're going to do a lot of very physical things during that time. But the idea is that behind those physical things... There's an actual spiritual encounter with the living God that will develop in us this wonderful connection with Him that we will grow and develop spiritually as followers of Christ. And in that, it's in the enactment of that that we're going to take hold of the life that Jesus makes available to us. So let me show you what this looks like in 2012. 
Uh, many of us got hit pretty hard in 2008 when the world went through a massive financial overhaul or huge speed bump, however you want to look at it. And many of us lost jobs. Uh, quite a few of us lost our houses. It's been really a tough time. We got hit hard. But can I be honest about that? Part of the reason we got hit hard is because we were living by credit, not on the principles that God gives us in His Word. We got hit hard because we went out and bought houses that we really couldn't afford, but we were counting on them continuing to escalate in value so that we could borrow against them so that somewhere when that big balloon payment came, we could actually sell a house and make money and, and, and get off scot-free. And it didn't play out that way. Yeah. So early on in 2012, we're going to, starting in January, we're going to do this. We're going to teach on financial freedom. This is, by the way, is not a series of messages on giving. Okay. We may touch giving any, but it's not primarily about giving. It is literally about managing finances according to how God says in the Bible. And you know, we're going to do some fun stuff. Okay? If you're willing to participate, we're not going to attach anybody's name to it, but we're going to add up the total indebtedness of our church. Won't that be fun? That'll be a big number. That'll scare all of us. Okay? And then we're going to set some financial goals, and, and we're, going to, we're going to embark on a project and we're going to learn how to reduce that. And we're going to see how much indebtedness we can reduce while we're walking through this, while we're walking through this program and living by godly principles. It's going to be fun. It'll be a huge challenge, but it'll be a great thing. And we're, the best part is we're going to be giving you tools. So in this coming February, we're going to launch a number of Financial Peace University life groups. And uh, so, uh, boy... Uh, that's an opportunity for you to get on board and say, I'm going to take a 12-week journey where I'm going to learn not only what we just learned in, this, in these four weeks at church, but an expanded version that will show me how to set a budget, how to live within a budget, how to make the transfer from credit to cash, how to, how to plan for my retirement. It's all practical stuff. Uh, that, uh, based on principles in God's Word. So that's the first thing. Then we're going to follow that up um, with a series of sermons on the last week in Jesus' life. Okay? That's not actually on your notes. That's going to lead us into an outreach series where we're going to learn how to do an open house. We're going to challenge everyone in the church to do an open house in their neighborhood. Oh, that scares me. Have you seen my house? We're going to help you with that too. Okay? Because the deal is, we want to actually turn our neighbors into a neighborhood, and then we want to look for opportunities where we can invite these people to come and hear a message that will change their life forever. Wouldn't you want that for your neighbors? Yeah, I want that for my neighbors. So we're going to learn how to invest in our neighbors so that eventually we can invite them to come to church with us. Then on Easter, we're going to launch a series uh, about baggage. It's called Baggage Check. And we're going to learn how to check some of the baggage that we've been carrying, things on forgiveness and anger and all sorts of other things that tend to be a heavy load that we carry. We're going to learn how to check those, turn them over to Christ. A broad appeal in our neighborhood. By the way, anybody follow a bus in town and see Recovery Road on the back of the bus? Good. 
Jordan and me. Okay? Follow one of our city buses. Take a look. It talks about Recovery Road. That's our financial freedom series. You can see it on the back of our buses. Why? Because we want our whole neighborhood to come and experience financial freedom. Most of them are struggling right now. So, after baggage claim, I mean baggage check, then we're going to go to a thing. Yeah, right. The other way around. We're going to talk about health and wellness. You know, most people don't know that their body has been given to them by God so that His Spirit could dwell in them, so that God could actually accomplish something in and through them. But if we don't take care of our bodies, we tend to check out early. And when we check out early, we miss out on a whole chunk of the life that God had planned for us, plus all the things He wanted to accomplish in and through us during that. So we're going to set some weight loss goals as a church. Well, that'd be fun. We're putting a big scale out in the lobby. It's going to announce your weight when you walk in. No, no, no. I'm pulling your leg. That's not that. No. But we're going to set some weight loss goals. We're going to set some fitness goals of, of miles that we can log as a church. And we're going, to, we're going to do this together so that we can be better prepared and capable of living the life. We're going to take hold of the eternal life that God's given us. And then we're going to do a thing called Servolution. Servolution, what's that? I'll tell you what Servolution is. It's a sniglet. Now you know, right? What's a sniglet? A sniglet is a word that doesn't exist in the dictionary, but just by saying it, you know what it means. So a servolution is a revolution of service. You could have figured that out. We're going to set some goals worldwide for ways that we can serve our world. This is going to be way cool because we're going to challenge all of us for at least one week and maybe two weeks to eat nothing except beans and rice. Unless you have a health problem that prohibits that. Okay? And the health problem is not defined as an appetite. (laughs) Not an overactive salivary gland, all right? None of that stuff. Okay? If you can physically do it, to eat beans and rice, why are we going to do that? Because there's over a billion people on our planet that that's all they ever get. And we want to know by experience what that feels like. We may pass out a recipe or two so it's not exactly fixed the same way every time. But here's the rest of it. We're going to save a lot of money doing that, right? Because beans and rice are cheap. Right? What are we going to do with that money? We're going to challenge us to bring it here. If we can, add a little bit to it. Because there's a church that we ministered to when we were in India this year, earlier this year. And it's a new church, and it's rapidly growing. And when we were there in June, they already had 65 people in that church. And they have only one little room. And the room is about three times the size of this little platform I'm standing on right now. And even back in June, they already had 65 people that they were cramming in to a room three times the size of this platform. Can you imagine 22 people right here where I am? Be a little crowded. Here's the deal. We can actually put together the funds to build them a church building that will seat 200 people, and we can do it in one week by eating beans and rice. 
Because for yeah, that's a way cool thing, isn't it? For ten thousand dollars, we can build a new church building. That I can get really jacked up about that. So we're going to set some worldwide goals. Some other things that go in with that. We're going to set some community-wide goals. And we're going to serve in extraordinary ways in our community. We're going to take a Sunday morning in July, and we're all going to meet here at uh, O'Don Sunrise. Like about 8 o'clock in the morning, or 8.30 in the morning. Okay, And we're going to have a short service here. It'll be meaningful. We're going to be all together, uh, crammed in here. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. And when we're done, we're going to go out in our community, and we're going to serve. And we're going to have projects lined up for hundreds of us. And we're going to have team captains and all that stuff. It'll all be organized. And we're going to go out and serve in our community and make a difference. And we're going to come back together here and share a meal together and rejoice in what God did through us. Won't that be a fun Sunday morning? Absolutely. That'll be, that'll be way fun. We're going to set some goals for service in our church. So I don't have time to lay out all the rest of the stuff. But this is stuff we've been praying about for months. And the great thing is God's calling us not for me to preach about it and you go do it. But we're going to do it together. So... That's what 2012 was like. 2013, we just, the same thing, only we have four other major service projects that we're going to talk about. We're, we're going to actually talk in 2013 about worship, about prayer. Um, we're going to talk about um, mentorship. I couldn't think of the word. We're going to talk about mentorship. We're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about worship. And we're going to talk about, last of all, family and parenting. Family and parenting. And we're going to do a big project on that. So um, I hope you're excited about it as I am. So now, what can we do? What can we do to get prepared? I want you to take uh, your program, and on the inside of your program, while I teach you this last principle, which is our closing thought, you can be getting out two things. You can get out this that says take hold initiative on the front of it, and you can get out the connect card. Now, here's the deal. Ultimately, the choice is up to us. This is not a church where we're going to guilt you into it. You already know that if you come here often. We just don't guilt people into things. This is not a church where we're going to twist your arm and make you do it, or we're going to throw you out. But the deal is, ultimately, the choice is, the choice is ours individually. I can't make this choice for you. You can't make it for anybody else. And here's what God says in His Word in James chapter 1. God says, don't just listen to God's Word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the Word and you don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. Thank God none of you did that this morning. At least I didn't see anybody that came in looking like they had done that. That's a good thing. We can do that spiritually. Let's not. He goes on to say, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free. By the way, that's what we've been doing in the New Testament challenge. And I am so jazzed about the stories that people are telling me as they come into church. Or emails that they're sending me. Or or, or hits to our blog. It's just great to hear the stories of what happens when we actually take the time to pick up the Bible and read from it daily. Makes a huge difference. If you look into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you in the doing of it. So, on this, 
little piece of paper. There are seven things on the back. And the first three are things that are not tied at all to the Take Hold Initiative, really. They are simply things that all of us need to do in order to make spiritual growth and progress. Hopefully, take a look at the very first one, being in God's Word at least five times each week. Hopefully, you're in the habit of that because you've been in the New Testament challenge. That was one of the reasons why we did the New Testament challenge on the way into this. Secondly, engaging in a life group. Each of the three sessions in the coming year, our life groups run 12 weeks on, four or five weeks off. And uh, so we'll have in January a whole four weeks of signing up, and then February, March, and April we'll be in life groups. The deal is, if you want to grow, if you want to spiritually develop, then get in one of those life groups. And then the third one is attending church every week. I was just so jazzed about all the people who signed up last week. I'm going to be an every Sunday attender in 2012. It's one of the greatest investments you could make in your own life. It's part of taking hold of the life that God has given you. Then the other four are all things that I just talked to you about. And that is, I'm going to get my financial life in order. I'm going to love my neighbors in a way that draws them to Jesus. I'm going to achieve and maintain a healthy lifestyle. And I'm going to serve in ways that reveal God's love to a watching world. I'm not going to ask you to check those boxes and turn it in today. I want you to take that home and pray over it. Those are seven things that, that I want you to seriously consider. You know why? Because... God woke me up at 5 o'clock, a little before 5 o'clock this morning. And this teaching was on my mind, and I laid there in bed for the next 25 minutes and just went over and over the teaching. And God said, I want you to get out of bed, and I want you to drive to Pinky's Pizza Parlor. Anybody been to Pinky's? It's a local pizza establishment with great pizza. Why did he have me drive to Pinky's Pizza Parlor? Because there's a wonderful warning on the outside of Pinky's Pizza Parlor. And the letters are big, and I read it in the dark this morning as I drove here to church. It said, this ain't no limp-crusted, sissy boy pizza. (laughs) Don't you love that? I want to accommodate that. Okay? And if you forget everything else I said this morning, I want you to hear this. One of the biggest dangers that you and I could slip into is to assume that when we talk about health and wellness and when we talk about serving in the world and when we talk about um, getting our finances in order, one of the biggest dangers is that you and I would assume that this is a sort of religious self-help project. And we're going to come and we're going to study a few principles from God's Word. And we're going to go out and do the best we can to apply it in our lives. And our lives will marginally improve. Can I tell you, this ain't no limp-crusted, sissy boy, religious self-help project. Okay? What is it? This is an opportunity for us to encounter the living God. And if you take Financial Peace University because you want to marginally improve your finances, then you will be in a religious self-help program. But if you take Financial Peace University because you want to encounter God 
in the financial arena of your life and you want to beat him face to face and you want him to transform that as only God can, something entirely different happens. Are you on board with that? Yes. So here's our assignment for this week. You'll see it on the back of the Connect card. Take a look. Two options. I'm going to pray five times this week about how God wants me to get involved in this. Take hold initiative. And then the second thing, which is really important, if I'm married, I'm going to pray and talk with my spouse about it. If I'm not married, I'm going to look up a trusted friend and somebody who also has to be on a spiritual journey. This can't be somebody who just, uh, yeah, well, that's kind of your gig. No, it's somebody who also wants to encounter God and talk with them about it. Because next week when you come back, you're going to get that same card that says Take Hold Initiative with the seven possible responses on the, on the back of it. We're going to give it to you in cardstock form because it's a little easier to write on. And we're going to encourage you to make those commitments as God leads you. And then we won't be no limp-crusted, sissy boy church. Right? We'll be a church that encounters the living God. Lord Jesus, wow. You came to earth not just so you could be born and not just so you could teach and not just so you could die. But you came that we could take hold of our lives, that we could take hold of this life and that in the process we could take hold of eternal life. Lord, we're meeting you here and we're saying We want to encounter you, every one of us, not just collectively as a church, but individually, that our lives could be transformed, not in our own strength, by the strength that you give. We ask it in your name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.